The History of the World podcast, written and presented by Chris Hasler. This is the History of the World podcast, unscripted. Hello everyone, this is Chris from the History of the World podcast and uh, we're here with another unscripted episode because we're waiting for new episodes to come out. We're just writing them as we speak and they're in the pipeline so it won't be long before we start publishing those. But in the meantime, we're uh, publishing a few episodes of unscripted uh, podcasts just to let you know that we're still here and we we haven't sort of disappeared off the face of the earth. But... um. Normally what I do when I have uh, unscripted episode sessions, um, I'll make some of them topic related and um, I haven't done that uh, too much on this occasion, just basically I didn't really know how long the break was going to be for. Uh, But um, I did want to speak today about a character that's always fascinated me um, in relation to the Norman conquest of England and all of the politics that led up to it. And, um, of course, when William the Conqueror um, won the Battle of Hastings and effectively wiped out the Godwin line, um, there was uh, one brother who was not among the Godwins, Harold Godwinson's um, brethren, uh, all the, the sons of Earl Godwin of Wessex. And his name was Tostig, and Tostig's fortunes took him in a completely different direction. His story is unique, and um, I just wanted to explore that today, just because purely I find Tostig quite a fascinating character in a very interesting political situation that developed in England at that time. He had a very unique path, and we're going we're gonna to take a look at that this week. Now, we mentioned that uh, the uh, Tostig Godwinson, brother to Harold Godwinson, who was the King of England after Edward the Confessor died and and the man who lost his eye, um, who infamously lost his eye at the Battle of Hastings when he died in 1066 and William the Conqueror took over the country. Um, Harold Godwinson's uh, brother, Tostig, uh, they were both sons of Earl Godwin, and Earl Godwin was at one time the most influential Earl of England, of Anglo-Saxon England, and he got that remarkable distinction thanks to being a close counsel for King Canute the Great, who uh, who ascended to the throne of England fifty years before the Battle of Hastings. He was the the Viking king who 
reclaimed the throne lost by his father Sven Forkbeard um, to Ethelred the Unready, who was uh, who re- who was reinstated after Sven's death, and uh, the the English Witan, who were the council of uh, wise nobles of England, uh, decided to have Ethelred back. But when Ethelred uh, died, King Canute came and contested for the throne of England uh, with Ethelred's son, um, uh, Edmund Ironside. Now, on Edmund Ironside's death, Canute became the king and Earl Godwin was selected as an Anglo-Saxon who would be Canute's confidant. And uh, as such, the, the stock of the Godwin family escalated to the highest levels in English politics. After Canute died in the year 1035, uh, a number of different kings came to the throne, but Godwin always tried to maintain his high standing in English politics. And um, he would have a number of sons uh, who uh, we've already mentioned, uh, included Harold Godwinson, and uh, Tostig Godwinson, among others. Now, Earl Godwin and his sons were always quite tight. They they looked after their family lineage. Um, even when Edward the Confessor took the throne, uh, the politics of England became quite uh, hazy, with uh, many questioning exactly which uh, societies that uh, Edward the Confessor was loyal to. Was he loyal to the Normans, who he had a very close connection to, thanks to his mother, Emma of Normandy? Um, or uh, was he uh, loyal to the Anglo-Saxons? And, uh, and the English nobles really had, uh, had reservations about where Edward the Confessor's loyalties lied. Now, this eventually brought uh, Godwin into conflict with Edward the Confessor. So Edward and Godwin had uh, strong differences and, and Edward would favour um, who uh, a man who we could consider as Godwin's political rival, and that was Earl Leofric of Mercia. Um, Earl Leofric um, was uh, quite an important uh, patriarchal figure in uh, in 11th century English politics, uh, many of his um, descendants uh, took uh, took a great uh, important role in in English politics. And uh, Leofric is probably best remembered as the husband of Lady Godiva, and Lady Godiva famously rode through the city of Coventry naked uh, as a uh, as a form of protest against high taxation but let's remember uh, Earl Leofric um, for the sake of the remainder of uh, the story of Tostig now the Godwins had to go into exile um, after coming into a political conflict with Edward the Confessor, and uh, but this didn't last long because the English really didn't tolerate uh, the Godwins being in exile. They knew that the country was much stronger with the Godwins uh, a part of it. So uh, with Harold uh, disappearing off to Ireland 
and Earl Godwin and Tostig disappearing off to uh, Flanders, where Tostig actually got married to Judith of Flanders. Um, their exile wouldn't last particularly long, and, and before long they would all be back in England again and uh, reconciled with Edward the Confessor to some degree. But there remained a, a tension between the families of Godwin and Leofric uh, as their political ideas were sort of in conflict with each other and, and there was a, a sense of competition between the two families. Now during the 1050s both Godwin and Leofric uh, passed away. Godwin would be succeeded as Earl of uh, Wessex by his son Harold Godwinson and Leofric would be succeeded as Earl of Mercia by his son, Elfgar. Tostig Godwinson uh, would have to wait for the death of uh, Seward, uh, the Earl of Northumbria, uh, before he was allowed to become the Earl of Northumbria. So there we had two Godwin, uh, or two sons of Godwin, Harold Godwinson as the Earl of Wessex and Tostig Godwinson as the Earl of Northumbria. Northumbria was always uh, a little bit uh, different in its uh, in its in its makeup. Uh, a lot of Scandinavian influence uh, in that uh, end of the country since the great heathen armies uh, sort of came and settled. Uh, Northumbria uh, sometime before this period and uh, so the the identity of the earldom of Northumbria was was slightly different and if um, if if nothing else somewhat um, they saw themselves somewhat as uh, a little bit more independent than maybe the uh, the earldoms of Wessex and Mercia who uh, who tended to represent the south of England and, and a very Anglo-Saxon identity. Um, Northumbria had a mixture of uh, Angles and, and Scandinavians within its bloodlines. So when Tostig took over Northumbria, he, he, he was sort of somewhat had to rule with a heavy hand in order to get the, to get the Eldom to uh, sort of behave itself basically not be so troublesome and rebellious and uh and Tostig uh, it really had his work cut out for him and he and he had to rule with a heavy hand and, and this wasn't necessarily uh popular um in Northumbria but he he did rule there for a number of years swapping back over to Mercia briefly and Elfgar died uh, in the early 1060s, the Earl of the Earl of Mercia, and and was succeeded by his son Edwin. Now, uh, Edwin was one of two sons who survived Elfgar. The other one was Morcar. So, Edwin and Morcar are, are well known in English history, certainly during this period. But Edwin, uh, son of uh, Elfgar and grandson of Leofric was now the Earl of Mercia. And uh, his younger brother, Morcar, was sort of waiting in the wings for his own opportunity. Um, and his opportunity would come because Tostig um, was so unpopular as the Earl of Northumbria that the, the Thanes of Northumbria appealed um, against 
Tostig's rule and 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 voted um, almost or, or sort of declared, let's say, uh, that they would like uh, Morcar to become the new Earl of Northumbria and Tostig to be uh, to be thrown out for what they believe to be unlawful um, rule. So so in order to bring Northumbria to heel, he would have to make considerable sort of taxation. Um, and uh, was reported to have killed some uh, important um, members of uh, or in, uh, members of families, um, or mem- or or members of important families, I should say, in Northumbria, um, which uh, which really riled the 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 thanes of of Northumbria up, and uh, as such, uh, Tostig was overthrown. Now, at this point, you you might expect uh, Harold to come to Tostig's aid, but Harold was um, trying to stay loyal to King Edward the Confessor at the time. And and in terms of um, the growing tensions in England in the 1060s, uh, Harold Godwinson had no option but to turn his back on his brother Tostig, as Tostig was seen as a man who was not the solution for Northumbria. And in order to uh, keep Northumbria within the English realm, it would need to be ruled uh, with a lot more, uh, with a lot more, or a lot less tension, let's say, within it to keep it within uh, the English kingdom. And and certainly if, if it was going to face potential invasion from foreign threats. Now, Tostig was not happy about this whatsoever. He felt betrayed and and he felt like loyalties had shifted away from him far too easily and and he'd lost all his his power and all his lands and and was now seen as an outsider, someone who had been somewhat exiled from his home country, England. So he uh, he would turn to the enemies of England in order to try and... Uh, in order to try and get back at his brother for turning his back on him. And so he fled overseas over the Channel and to Flanders and Normandy where he would try and rally um, rally the, the support of uh, his wife's family from Flanders and also the support of, uh, of William Duke William of Normandy himself who, who would become William the Conqueror. But... Um, the support was limited. Um, Baldwin of Flanders, his father-in-law, uh, would supply him with a concession of ships, but uh, William was not really too interested in in Tostig. Maybe he felt that Tostig was um, probably not going to maintain his loyalty, perhaps. Sorry, did I say uh, he he he? met his father-in-law is his brother-in-law was by, by this time Baldwin V was ruling Flanders so it was actually Tostig's brother-in-law it wasn't his father-in-law so by this time the old King Edward the Confessor had died it was now 1066 that fateful year and um, and uh, Harold Godwinson became the new King of England he ruled as Harold II um, and uh Tostig was now uh, an exile from his brother's own kingdom. And um, the Duke William of Normandy uh, probably just 
quite happy to do things his own way and and didn't want to necessarily trust Tostig. He thought, well, maybe it's just not sensible to have his uh, his enemy's brother um, within his ranks. Uh, but uh, Tostig did find um, someone who he could be allied with. But it was after a little bit of um, a little bit of naughty activity around the coastlines of England. Tostig would desperately be looking for allies that he could he could challenge his brother with, and and he'd even go to their own brothers, and 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 Harold and Tostig's brothers would stay loyal to Harold through this period, and Tostig would be left out in the cold. He'd have to uh, he'd have to try and win, he tried to win back his his earldom in Northumbria, and and Edward and Morcar, the two brothers. A team together to keep uh, Tostig out of of Northumbria, and so Tostig fled to Scotland initially, uh, where the King Malcolm the Third um, offered support. Um, Scotland had always um, had uh, problems with Northumbria anyway, and Tostig had actually spent a lot of his uh, time as the Earl of Northumbria trying to defend. Uh, Northumbrian lands against the Scottish, and and in doing so, he uh, he he raised a lot of taxes, which didn't really help his cause. But now Tostig was um, on the opposite side now, and and with a new earl um, who was his political enemy, Earl Morcar. Um, Tostig was happy now to uh, make an alliance with the Scottish. So it might have been the case that Malcolm was not interested in invading Northumbria himself. So Tostig then looked beyond the seas and uh, he befriended the Norwegian king, Harold Hardrada. And Harold Hardrada could uh, lay claim to a tenuous link to the English throne. So Harold Hardrada would, uh, would, would... plan to uh, try and take the English throne with Harold Godwinson not actually um, inheriting the throne uh, through a bloodline at all. Harold Godwinson was very much son of Earl Godwin who was not a member of the royal family, was not a member of the royal bloodline. And uh, Harold uh, Hodrada obviously felt he was uh, due to the the links to uh, the Danish and Norwegian um, heritage and its relationship with the English crown through uh, kings such as Sven Fortbeard and Canute the Great. So uh, Harold Hardrada felt he had a claim and Tostig Godwinson felt that uh, he was backing the right horse by going to Harold Hardrada, the King of Norway. Now this time it looked like Tostig had found all the answers because he was able to amass a force uh, with Harold Hardrada and the Norwegians, uh, Tostig was able to support Harold's claim to the English throne by uh, enticing um, support from Scotland and from Flanders, who um, who were more willing to support Tostig uh, than Harold, and so uh, Harold Godwinson, I should say. And um, so uh, a, a significant force landed in Northumbria and defeated the Earls Edwin and Morcar at the Battle of Fulford in uh, in ten sixty six in in the in the late summer of ten sixty six, 
And uh, so this was a major problem for Harold Godwinson now, is that this uh, his estranged brother had now managed to score a, a big victory against the Earls, who had managed to overthrow Tostig in the first place by uh, pooling their resources and also defended um, Northumbria from Tostig uh, once already. Now Tostig was back with a powerful force that was a, a significant threat to uh, to Northumbria and to England itself. So Harold Godwinson, Tostig's older brother, had no choice but to march upwards to Northumbria and this was even with the threat of a potential invasion from Normandy um, about to happen. So the timing couldn't have been worse for Harold Godwinson. And it was probably down to Harold Godwinson's uh, quick action that uh, that this fateful story comes to an end. Uh, Harold Godwinson uh, managed to march an army from London to York in in about four days, and this really caught Tostig and Harold Hodrada off guard. They were just not expecting Harold Godwinson to arrive so quickly, and he, and, and Tostig and Harold were caught unaware, and this was just the edge that Harold Godwinson needed in order to defeat his brother and his brother's ally at the Battle of Stamford Bridge on the 25th of September 1066. Tostig would be slain on the battlefield and that was the end of the story of Tostig Godwinson, a, a fascinating story. Um, as we all know, Harold, his brother, um, learned very quickly of William of Normandy's invasion of the southern coast of England um, so he had no time to celebrate his victory over over his brother and Harold Hodrada. Um, he had to march south again and um, William the Conqueror, um, despite it looking like a, a tough battle at the Battle of Hastings, managed to overcome and slaughter the Anglo-Saxon army along with uh, many of uh, the Godwin uh, family, so so Harold and uh, and and some of his brothers who were also fighting by his side at the Battle of Hastings were slain, and um, and William the Conqueror would take control of the English throne and rule as King William the uh, First of England. So that's the end of the story of uh, Tostig Godwinson, a very interesting character in English history. Well, no other stuff to uh, talk about this week. We did it all yesterday, so I'm going to let you go now. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about next week, um, but uh, it's just a case of filling the gaps until we've got these new episodes written. So we're already in the thick of writing those episodes, so it shouldn't be too much longer now, but I might find a subject that I can that I can pick and talk about next week while we're waiting for the, for the new full episodes. But thanks for listening this week. I hope you enjoyed it. It's something a little bit different. And uh, until next week, be good. The History of the World podcast, written and presented by Chris Hasler. Please consider making a financial contribution by going to the historyoftheworldpodcast.com website and clicking on the Patreon link. Email the show at historyoftheworldpodcast at mail.com. 
And don't forget to join our social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. See you next time.